You are listening to the Hodges Huddle, where we discuss all things in the wide world of sports. Here's your KLSU sports team. Welcome into the Hodges Huddle. I'm your host, Andre Schaffan, and today we are joined by Andon Bradham and Nathan Messina. How are we doing today, guys? Doing good, man. Glad to be back on the pod. Yes, Feeling sir. Feeling good. Feels good to be back on the podcast. Feels good to be talking about some ball. Oh, we're talking a lot of ball. And and talking about ball, lots of questionable play from the Louisiana teams uh, this past weekend. So we're going to focus more on them today. But starting off with LSU football, they were defeated by Ole Miss by a score of 55-49. to The LSU defense gave up a whopping 706 yards of offense to Jackson Dart and the Rebels in a game where you could just not buy a stop. So we're going to begin with the elephant in the room. Um, is this the worst LSU defense uh, known to date? Yeah, I think so, man. I mean, you look at 2020, that team gave up a whole lot of yards and a whole lot of points, but it wasn't this bad. I mean, in a game where defense was optional and you needed just one or two more stops, you couldn't even get it. I don't I think I think it's bad, but worst LSU defense in I history, is, I think that's a bit of a stretch, man. I mean one hundred and seventeenth in the country. I agree that I don't know are, if they've ever ranked so like poor I I'm sure they have. But through this stretch, I agree that this is a historically bad LSU defense. But the worst ever, dude. I mean, come on, you go back. Look at those '90s teams, bro. Like they're bad. They were god awful. Go back to the '90s, even yeah. before then, bro. Like those Curly Hallman teams, especially. Like, oh, dude. There's there's no way that this is the worst one in history, especially when you have a guy like Perkins. I just don't think you can like count it as the worst defense in LSU history. I'll just rephrase it to worst. LSU defense that we've ever witnessed. Absolutely. Yes. 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 That I agree with. Yeah, that, that we've been, you know, alive to see. But I think last week is as bad as it will get for you. If we're being completely honest, I think, like I said, you look at the talent, man, and, and literally nothing there jumps out to you except for Harold Perkins and Makai Wingo. I, I feel like those are the only two guys, in my humble opinion, that could go out and be like first-round draft picks. But there's no leadership or communication on this side of the ball just a disaster right now. As far as worst defense in history, I'm still going to say like Bo Pelini's defense on a like week-to-week basis in 2020 was worse. I'll say that was just horrible to watch yeah, week I mean, in and week out. This defense has had one good game. Yeah. Did they have any good games in 2020? I don't. Yeah. Th- I think they you had shut one. Shut down South Carolina. Yeah, but it was South Carolina. South Carolina's COVID year, man. Like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I don't know. I think... Bo Pelini's defense was much worse. But what were the things that bothered you most from this defense? I know there's a lot, so I mean, just kind of like, <laughs> I yeah, know there's take, a lot. You, take your pick, dude. I mean, for me, and I said this on the Sunday show, and I, I've said it to everybody who's asked me, the front seven, man, it was a game where all week we talked about Jackson Dart has a turnover problem. And if you could force him to make mistakes and get pressure on him, you can create problems. And this front seven didn't do anything, dude. They got no push all night. They were getting gashed in the run. They couldn't create pressure on Jackson Dart. It was just so upsetting, man. Like, and, and you can't blame the coverage when Jackson Dart has seven seconds to throw, man. I mean, for me, it was just – it was two things, really. First was the flat-out just inability to tackle. Yep. I've, I've never seen a football team not be able to tackle. That's, like, the first thing they teach you when you play football, even on offense, I feel like, like – you learn how to tackle somebody when you play football. And it's like these guys have just forgotten everything they learned in Pop Warner football. And just, you, you can't, I don't understand how you can't wrap your arms around somebody and just tackle them. I don't know if it's, if it's, it's a mentality thing. It's a mentality. They're not getting the right angles. They're not hitting hard yep. enough. It, I don't know how at that's, the end it's of the possible. day, though, at the end of the day, though, tackling is not a skill, it's an effort. It's an effort. Yeah. It's a mm-hmm. mindset. It's a, it, it's a personal pride thing, and that's what I really think that this defense is lacking is personal pride and effort. Yeah. Second thing for me was the, the third down defense. Mm. I, I have, again, have never seen a team. It's 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 so miraculous to me. They, they were actually pretty decent on first and second downs. Even on fourth downs, I think they had a stop or two. But for whatever it is, they see that third down on the scoreboard – and just crap their pants, dude. Like I, I, I could actually. I don't think I could count on ten fingers and ten toes how many third down conversions Ole Miss had. I don't know what the actual statistic is, but like 
it has to be through the roof. I don't I don't understand how just on third downs you can be so god awful. Yeah, I, I mean, I literally completely agree with you. I think the things that bothered me wasn't even the coverage. I, it was the fact that the defenders for LSU just could not bring a guy down to save their life. They slipped and fell off their feet every two plays, and, and yeah. it just shows how this defense has zero coordination whatsoever. Um, past LSU defense have, have never really struggled to take angles and make the open field tackle like this year. Like you said, Anna, it, it's at some point it's, it's an effort thing. And it's been a nightmare seeing this defense look so confused, but that's a whole other side of the story. Like I said, I, I knew things in the classroom for these guys were bad, but, I mean, I guess that's translating to, I mean, what kind of angles you're taking on the field. Like, this is ridiculous. You know they ain't passed geometry class, bro. Nah, man. <laughs> they don't know what a right angle is, bro. I'm not going to go there, but... but yeah, I mean, and, and so is this a Matt House problem or is this just the talent? Is it the talent not showing up? It's both, and... I, you knew the talent was going to be an issue going into the season. We talked about that beforehand, how the secondary is one of the biggest problems, one of the biggest question marks, we said, going into the season of this defense. That has been made evident that we are correct, that the talent is not there. But when you've got guys, like, just completely wide open in the middle of the field or on the outside, that comes down to coaching. That's Matt House. Um just not scheming the right plays or I don't know the right coverage whatever it is he's leaving just what receivers just completely wide open yeah I mean when I look at it I'm putting it 70 30 70 percent on Madhouse 30 percent on the actual talent. yeah I agree because at the end of the day no matter what kind of talent you have it is your job as the leader of that unit as the coach of that unit to put them in situations to succeed regardless of talent level. Now, has Matt House put these guys in positions to succeed? I don't think he has. I think we're playing a soft, cushioned zone when we have physical man coverage corners, even if they are a little undersized. That's their game is physical man coverage, and we're putting them in the wrong spots to do that. You're putting them in this soft zone where they're playing eight yards off the receiver, and they can't get anything going that way. And it's, it's Matt House putting guys that already aren't necessarily the blue-chip five-stars that LSU's used to, especially in the defensive back room, and you're putting them in even worse positions. I also I saw another thing today. It was a screenshot on Twitter that I saw, and it was it – was, I think it was from the Mikey Matuk show, but you could see just how far off the defensive line Oh, we played a lot ball. of cushion. They played a lot of cushion. Yeah, but ten yards of cushion. The defensive line is playing two yards off the line of scrimmage. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They're they're like they're not on top of the ball like they should be. I don't yeah. I don't understand how you're you're and, and not on the line of scrimmage. Here's the problem for those that don't understand why that's a problem. When the defensive line is playing so far off the ball, that lets the offensive linemen return their hands and get their hands out and lock out and really get into their set. And really get into their to to their kick step. So when you play two yards off the ball, you're already giving this this offensive line an advantage instead of playing on top of the ball, close up to them where they can't necessarily immediately get their hands out, and that's when you cause problems. And LSU's not even doing that. Yeah, I I think it's Matt House. I think it's the ability, uh, the inability to be able to dumb it down to these guys. And then the other part, like we mentioned, is just like we said. There's no talent on this team. There's talent. There's just not talent on this team to keep up with the SEC talent that they're seeing. You look at the corners, and it completely shows what, we talk, we were, what we're talking about. Your best cornerback is a guy out of southeastern Louisiana, and, and they aren't even comparable to the SEC. I, I'm sorry. Um, it, it's just a problem that LSU has never really had when you look at talent, especially at the cornerback position. Um, that, that's really what frustrates me the most. Um, but can this defense be saved at all this season? Or is there? Or are they just going to keep letting us down? Uh, yeah, I think it, there's nothing. There are things that you can fix, but I don't think there's a, that there's any way to save this defense and make them a good defense. I think the best you can hope is for LSU to be below average defensively. Right now, we're horrible, 117th in the country. Like I said, I think we're like 128th in pass defense in the nation, dude, and that is unheard of for an LSU defense. 
And that's out of 133 teams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, there's only five schools that give up more <laughs> passing yards than you do. Like, UL Lafayette is better than you. It's just unbelievable, man. And at the end of the day, there's a reason that these guys are at LSU. There's a reason that they got transfer offers to come to LSU. The talent is there. The physical tools are there. I watch it when I see these guys make good plays, that the physical talent is there. They're just completely not being schemed up how they need to. So if Matt House can finally pull his head out of the sand and figure out that he can change some things about this defense, because right now he's like an ostrich, bro. He's just yeah. got his entire head buried in the sand, and he refuses to change anything. And that I partially put that on Brian Kelly as well. Yeah. You want to go? Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, I don't I don't think they can be saved either. I, I think you're beyond that point. Um, it's just not going to happen. And I think that you do have to give credit to Brian Kelly for he is trying to do things to fix it. He is trying to change it by bringing a guy in like Pete Jenkins. I don't think it'll help that much, but it is it is you can see that he is trying. He, he understands that the changes need to be made and he's trying to make changes. I don't necessarily think that's it, but it's better than him just sitting back and doing nothing. So, you know, like I don't think it'll work. I think this defense is past the point of no return. But maybe I'll be wrong, and Pete Jenkins will come in and just absolutely flip this around. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I think as far as the simple things, like the missed tackles that we've been seeing, the effort thing, I think that's going to get better. Because that loss like that, man, that, that really sets you to the point where you got to open your eyes. you got to be like, yeah. hey, are, are we tired of this? Like, are we tired of seeing it ourselves on Twitter and, and all these social media apps? Like, you know, at some point, LSU's got to care, and, and I think we're going to see that this weekend. But talk about how disappointing it is for LSU really to waste the best offense they've had since 2019, and possibly their best offense, their second best offense ever, um, with a defense like this. This is undoubtedly the second best offense in LSU football history, like straight up. This is an LSU offense that has been absolutely lights out, even after they've started games off slow. So to have such a horrible, horrible other side of the ball just is so annoying and so disappointing and just so aggravating because it's not where we should be. It's not where we can be with the talent level that we have on this roster. I'm so sick of people talking about, oh, this defense just has no talent on it. There's talent on this defense, especially in the front seven. And there's talent in the back end as well, guys like Andre Sam. Guys like LaTerrence Welch, who I thought had a really good first quarter against Ole Miss. You are just absolutely failing these guys schematically, and it's just not working anymore. Yeah, I, it's it's. I don't know how else to put it other than it like it's devastating. Yeah, and I like there's no other way to describe it. LSU is seventh in the country in points per game. They're averaging 44 points per game right now, and Same. and we and we're three and two. Yeah, and the defense is letting up 31 points per game, for which is 107th in the country. So the defense is 100 spots nationally behind the offense, which is just unbelievable. You have Jaden Daniels playing at Heisman level. Like, he should absolutely be in the conversation and feels like he's not because Matt House just is incapable of doing his job at the moment. And it's it's just sad to see. You Like I said, offense is unbelievable. This This offense could win a national championship, if the defense was even top 100, I feel like. Yeah, we talked about this. Uh, Nathan and I kind of talked about this. I think if you give LSU the defense that they had last year and the offense that they have right now, dude. They're 5-0. They're 5-0. Yeah, like, you'd, you'd be 5-0, 4-1. and I mean, at the end of the day, you got shut out in the second half against Florida State. Yeah. I don't know if the defense fixes that, but. I think the scheme, that 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 comes with, I think Matt House was playing so much zone at that point that yeah. he was so scared. I mean, scared. He's, we're still playing too much zone. Exactly. But like like I said, if you're an LSU fan, this is what got him. Like it has to make you mad. It's one thing that your defense is bad, but then you look at what your offense is doing, and it just makes everything seem even worse because of how successful the other side of the ball is. You have the most explosive offense you will have for a while. Like I don't think the offense is gonna be this good in years, and, and your defense is just not giving you any sort of fire. You think, like I said, at one point you would think last, like let's let's say last week. One stop, just one stop is what they needed in the second half, and they just couldn't do it. They could not do it. 
Uh, so down down the road, what has to be fixed? Yeah, I think it's more man coverage. I think it's more blitzes. I mean, if I if I'm at house right now, you really just got to simplify it because you're trying to do too mm-hmm. much to cover up what you perceive as a lack of talent instead of just playing the guy's strengths. You have good blitzing linebackers. You have good man coverage corners. Let them blitz and let them play in man coverage. I already said I think this defense is past the point of no return. I really don't think there's anything you can do at this point to f- to go down the road and fix it. But it, as far as, like, in the future, recruit more defensive talent, like, especially in-state. Um, it feels like LSU has missed out on a lot of in-state guys. And part of that is just from the last years of Edo and recovering from that disaster. But, I mean, man, I'm just tired of seeing, and obviously this isn't defensively, but tired of seeing guys from Louisiana ball out on us, dude. Trey Harris, who had the game-winning touchdown. Como. He, yeah, he's he had the game winning touchdowns from Lafayette. Malik or, Malik's yeah, teammate. Exactly. In high school. Yep. It's it's kind of ridiculous, man, just seeing yeah. all these Louisiana guys come and ball on LSU yep. when they were right in your backyard. You also have to realize though, LSU because of the previous regime and the fact that they couldn't keep their noses clean is still working at a scholarship deficit. You yeah. still don't have yeah. all your scholarships back. I mean, you're just gonna have to deal with guys not being to the level of what we expect is DBU. You're just going to have to live with that for a little bit. Well, you talk about that, and, and, and I think it, some of it is recruiting, and then some of it, when you lost Corey Raymond, dude. Yep, it was the swagger, man. People just didn't know what DBU was, and, and they didn't know what the past kind of brought to them. But like I said, Corey Raymond knew how to deal with those guys and, and maybe not as talented guys, but he sure made them play um, real hard-nosed football. Uh, and, and now with Steeples, I think he's doing a good enough job for the, oh, yeah. the talent that we have. At Coach Steeple. No, 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 not at all. But Corey Raymond, it just shows you how much of a great coach he was. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I think Matt House to just he's got to dumb down the scheme to these guys in a way they can understand and just be successful in playing in a weekly like basis. Uh, but Brian Kelly has now lost two big games this season. He's four and four in his last eight. And he seemed to kind of blame his players after this one. What What's your thoughts on that? I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, a lot of the clips and stuff you saw, I did. he was calling out the players. But he also, I mean, me and Andre were at that press conference. He did kind of take a little bit of accountability, and he did say, like, we have to coach better and stuff like that. I don't think he put enough blame on himself and on Matt yeah. House, but he's, he can't just – he's not going to sit here and publicly call out Matt House in a, in a press conference. But – um, as far as the losing two big games, like part of me wants to be mad and is mad about it, but at the same time, the other part of me realizes it is year two, and that LSU has been <clears throat> pretty spoiled in the last two years as far as year two coaches, and that was kind of a narrative going into the season too. But it just I th- I think we're starting to realize just how much of a disaster Coach O's the end of Coach O's regime was. And I think that we're still so- kind of seeing the effects of that as far as talent deficits and, like Andy said, scholar de- scholarship deficits. So, like, I think it is on Matt House. I think I just I can't force myself to put too much of the blame on Brian Kelly yet. Well, I sure will. I, I think another big game that Brian Kelly has just blown. And honestly, you look at the coaching, and this is one of the most frustrating things that lost a game for LSU in this one. The defense we just talked about was not at all ready uh, for Lane Kiffin. And, and then the time management of the last few drives, you started to play conservative. I, I don't care how he said that that was not the plan. They sure did play conservative. If they played um, with an attack that they had all game, they would have scored a touchdown on that last drive. I don't care. Just argue with a brick wall. Uh, I think Brian Kelly has got to stop making excuses for himself with the guys that he has because that's not going to help him recruit down the line. It's not. That scares guys away, especially when you're losing games. It's one yeah. thing to win, and you can blame blame some stuff on, on, on people, but when you're losing games, you cannot do that to the kids. Yeah, winning, winning cures all, obviously. But when you're not winning, you have to put blame on somebody. I mean, it, I'm not going to put the blame on Brian Kelly um, because here's, here's what I look at with a head coach. I start worrying about a head coach when the side of the ball that they specialize in starts failing. Look at Jimbo Fisher's offense the past couple years at Texas A&M. They were bottom in the SEC in almost every offensive stat you can name the past couple years. That's when the issues started circling around Jimbo Fisher. 
this offense is so unbelievable, man, even with the the late in the game stuff that you spoke about, that I'm not necessarily worried about Brian Kelly. I'm more worried about the defensive staff and what we're going to do there. Because like you said, when you start blaming players, that hurts recruiting. And it's also it, it also hurts your coaching staff a little bit, man, especially mm-hmm. your position coaches. Because these position coaches are the guys who are seeing these players day in and day out. And they know them not just on a football level, but on a personal man-to-man level. And that's when you start seeing some dissension is when you throw players under the bus so easily. Yeah, and, and staying in the college football world now, uh, there were really no true upsets besides that LSU-Ole Miss game. Georgia and USC both had scares, uh, but ended up winning. But let's talk about SEC shaping and college football shaping in general. With Alabama seeming to look more like themselves over the past two weeks, do you see them running the table in the SEC West, or can a team like Ole Miss come in and win out? Yeah, I mean, really, this is a question for next week because this Saturday, 2.30, you have uh, Alabama going to College Station to play Texas A&M. And I think if Texas A&M wins that game, I think they are the clear-cut favorites in the West for me. Um, but I think if Alabama goes and wins that game, it's Alabama. I'm kind of putting Ole Miss to the side mm-hmm. because, like, it, if we're being really real about it, LSU gave that game to Ole Miss. Yep. Oh, easily. It, LSU had these guys, and I don't think Ole Miss is there yet to be a – and I don't think Lane Kiffin is there yet, more importantly, to be an SEC winning coach mm-hmm. or a national championship winning coach, and I don't necessarily think he'll ever be there. Yeah, I. that's pretty much exactly what I was going to say. I, As much as – like, as good as Ole Miss looked, especially offensively in this game, like you said, LSU handed that to them on a silver platter, dude, with a fork and spoon and a bib ready to go, bro. Like – I just don't think that Ole Miss is that good yet. And I, I think that this game against LSU kind of blew people's opinion out of out of proportion. Mm-hmm. I think that you I think they'll still I said and I said this last week too. I think they'll still go lose games that they shouldn't yep. down the line because that's what Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin do. Mm-hmm. I think the SEC West is between it's between A and M and Alabama. And I still think LSU can be in that conversation. I, it's just it, even Ole Miss technically could. It's it's so m- more wide open than we've ever seen the SEC West. I think it like you have those four teams all technically have a shot. And I just because th- I think everybody except A and M has one conference loss, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, with how things shape up down the line, and how teams win and lose down the line I just think that anybody is still in the mix I think this is Alabama's division to lose after watching last week I think you saw Nick Saban be more electric in years past just in that game against Mississippi State and like Nathan talked about earlier this year you can never bet against him and he shows you why and he makes you regret it I think like we said Ole Miss is just going to go out and lose to a team like Arkansas on their high from from this week And, and Ole Miss fans they are so fine with it because they, they they finally beat LSU in what LSU is going to have a down year, um, you know, compared to last year. But that's going to be good enough for them because they get a big win at home. Um, finally, um, good enough for them. It's similar to A&M, like when they beat Bama. They're, they're content with mediocrity. Here's yep. the thing, though. At the end of the day, you got to look at program expectations. For a program like Ole Miss with their resources, their money, their funding, going eight, and four, nine, and three, and beating Mississippi State and LSU, that's a great season for them. Just because they don't have national championship or bust on their mind every year doesn't mean it's a bad season, though. No, that's my point. But in in the grand scheme of college football, it's not a good season. Yeah, but for for them and for the SEC, my pride is hurt losing Ole Miss as an LSU student and as an LSU fan. My pride is hurt. But like like y'all said – you know, you look at some of the tough games. You talked about Arkansas. Dude. The week after, they got to go to Auburn. Georgia. They have to play at home against Texas A&M, and then they go to Georgia the week after. Yeah. And they you still lose. have – Oh, they're done. They'll lose at least two of those games. Yeah. And you still have the Egg Bowl to play, which yeah. is your biggest rivalry game, and you know that Mississippi State is going to play up and look to play spoiler oh, yeah. if, you, if, if you get through that gauntlet. Exactly. But is Georgia comfortable in the East, and should they be worried about this Kentucky game this yes. week? Yes. Yes, and I, I, me, Raven, and Jaden talked about this yep. on the Sunday show, that this is a serious Kentucky team year in and year out now. Mark Stoops is doing a great job with those guys. I think they really should be worried because this is a solid Kentucky defense. They control the clock. They run the ball really well. This is a very classic 
early 2000s mm-hmm. SEC team, and they almost feel like a throwback to your yeah. childhood. And I really like watching Kentucky, man. I really do. I think they're a real threat. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that Georgia at this point cannot afford to be comfortable. And I think that, that the fact that they got away with that win in Auburn, I think they're kind of – it's it's getting Shows to you a lot. Yeah. yeah. They, I think, But yeah. I think they're okay. This isn't the same Georgia the last year's. They're mm-hmm. okay with just getting away with that win. And last year's and team would not have been. No. Right. Last year's team would have – Blew I mean, out. you saw what happened after they beat Missouri in that close game. They, I feel, I'm pretty sure the rest of the games that season they blew everybody out the water. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think that this Georgia team has that same fire and build mm-hmm. to them. And I think that they'll continue to have close games, and they have to lose one eventually. And I think Kentucky's a great contender for that. Yeah, I think this Kentucky Georgia matchup is going to mean more this year than any year it has in the past, and that's for that's a lot for me to say. Kentucky is coming off a wonderful uh, week, like you said, and in rushing the ball. Georgia struggled against the rush against Auburn, so that just shows you, in my opinion, it's anyone's game. Um, This game completely shapes the SEC East. I think the winner of this goes to Atlanta, straight up. Like I think uh, runs the table. Um, But are there any teams in in the SEC that we might, you know, be surprised by? Yeah, I mean, I guess if you had to pick one, it'd be Texas A&M. Yep especially with Connor Wigman out and former LSU quarterback Max Johnson being the guy there. I think that they are – yeah, but he played well, man. You could talk all you want, but the dude played well. And and Bobby Petrino, the offensive coordinator, really likes him. He really likes his skill set, and so does Jimbo Fisher. This is a good Texas A&M offense. They're a really good football team, somehow still unranked. I think teams – I think a, a lot of college football media – they lost to Miami, and they just cast the Texas A&M yep. off and said, oh, they're going to lose four or five games. Nah, dude. This is a really good squad. And you see that with the, the games they've been scheduled, too, with the time slots they've been getting. Yeah, man. What do, they, what do these guys have to do to play a night game? You got Bama coming to all, town. All my buddies at A&M have been complaining about CBS that. CBS loves them some Texas A&M. They do, Alabama. though. They <laughs> do, though. And they love the Texas A&M-Alabama matchup. I think that game yep. has been on CBS for, I'm like, the past – Four years. Yeah, I'm so for it too because it's like <laughs> it fits, man. It I mean, feels, it's like it feels like there are certain games. Gary to me, Danielson can enjoy his last year covering Alabama. <laughs> yeah, because like I'm so done with him. To me, it there are certain games that feel like 2:30 on CBS. This is one. Texas A&M, Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Florida, Georgia games like that. They just feel like 2:30 yep. on CBS. They've done it for like five years now. More power to them as long as it's not <laughs> LSU. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think? I'd also have to go with the A&M, and I think maybe Kentucky, too, like we just talked about. If, if they go out and beat Georgia, I mean, like, what's, stop- <coughs> Excuse me, what's stopping them from that point, you know? Yeah, I, I don't think – like, I don't – I think any team is going to be A&M. Like I said, this week against Bama at Caulfield, this is realistically the SEC West right here. Um, but still, with an SEC schedule like theirs, they could still go out and lose a game to somebody that they shouldn't. Um, but with USC still having their issues on defense, and like we said, Georgia not being as dominant, who would be in your updated college football playoff for the end of the year, if you had to guess? Uh, right now, I guess it, it, this is a two, this is a double-edged sword here because you have the top four teams that the rankings are going to love, teams like Georgia, teams like USC, but I don't necessarily think that these teams are the four best teams in college football. I'm going to give you the rankings answer, and I think that's Georgia, Texas, Florida State, and Michigan. At the end. That's your prediction for the end. I I think USC is going to stumble just because that defense is horrendous. I think that they fall away. I don't think Georgia, even if they lose a game, is really going to fall away. I think it will be those four teams in any sort of machination and order. If you put USC in the SEC right now, they are LSU. Absolutely. That's That's exactly what they are. Um, yep. as for my four, I'm, I'm going to say no, in no particular order, but I'm going to say Florida State, Texas, um, I'm going to go Michigan and USC. I think Georgia misses out. You think out. USC gets in? I yeah. think this is how I have, I, I like we said, I think USC is going to find a way to lose to at least two more teams this season, uh, starting with Notre Dame. Notre Dame's going to go out and beat the heck out of USC, uh, in a few weeks. 
Washington. Estime, the running back for Notre Dame, is unbelievable, dude. He reminds me of a young Derrick Henry. Yeah, and then, and then Washington, you have to play Washington, and also Oregon. Oregon's the scariest pack of team right now. They still have to play Utah as well. Yeah, exactly. But Utah is without Cam Rising, so I'll give them the benefit of the doubt there. But teams that are sticking out to me is like Texas with that elite defense that they have. I think for now, if I had to predict my end of the season bracket right now, it would be Michigan at the one. Texas at the two, Florida State at the three. I think they went out easily. Um, and then Washington. I think Washington sneaks in at the four. I, I think a Pac-12 team's going to get in. It's not going to be USC. And I think Georgia goes out and loses. I think that is the correct top four football teams in the country right now. Yeah. And yeah. I'd, I'd probably have Penn State at five, USC at six, Georgia yeah. at like seven. And I'd have like Ohio State kind of creeping at like yeah. six or seven too. I, I But I do think that any combination of – Florida State, Texas, Michigan, and Washington are the top four teams. Right and I, I could easily see at the end of the season, it, it all comes down to Washington and uh, Oregon. I think yeah. that's the two teams that it comes down to. I think that's going to be the last team fighting for a spot there. But uh, now that we are through week four in the NFL, we can finally talk about uh, the continued problems for another Louisiana team in the New Orleans Saints, who just did not show up to play at all on Sunday against a Bucks team that is not very good this year. So the biggest question this week and moving forward into next week is what is the issue with Pete Carmichael and why can he not get this offense to move the ball? Because he rode a guy's coattails yeah. for all these years and kept a job even though he never actually had to call plays and call an offense and build an offense. Because he's yeah. not a good offensive coordinator. Like that, and end of discussion. Next question. <laughs> Dude, he's just not a good offensive coordinator. Next question. He could not lead this offense to a high school championship. He couldn't <laughs> he couldn't lead a peewee offense. And he, the car could beat this New Orleans. If Saints you team. put if you the put, offense, maybe, dude. I, I'm telling you. If you put the New Orleans Saints offense in the local peewee league, they would not <laughs> score a point. Yeah, the inability to get your playmakers more involved shows how this man should not be employed. Uh the guy is throwing it on third and shorts in a game where you were starting to run the ball effectively. He's throwing the ball with Taysom Hill also, rather than letting him run it. Uh, it's just simplifying the offense, and this guy cannot seem to do it for these guys. I'm like, tell, dude, this guy, like I said, I would send him on a plane <laughs> to a private <laughs> island and, and let him me, stay there. Me and Andrew were talking about this. We said <laughs> something about, like, and it says something like leave him at leave the tarmac. Him on the tarmac. And, and I was like, yeah, it was a home game. I'd still go drop him off at the New Orleans <laughs> at the airport, airport and just leave him on the tarmac anyway. Go drive to the airport, <laughs> leave him on the tarmac with his bags, man. Tell him to go to fly him wherever he's Let from. Let him think about it. You know, I say lock <laughs> him in a dark, dark room. Um, he needs an Aaron Rodgers darkness retreat. Yeah, he bro. needs a darkness retreat, man. <laughs> I think Dude, he needs a little more than that, it's man. Just so, up, the, up the dosage or something. It's yeah. just so bad, man. It's just so bad. And, like, here's the problem. Mid-season coordinator fires happen all the time in the NFL. Dennis Allen and Mickey Loomis will not do it because no. Pete Carmichael is their guy. So I hope you're ready for what? We're through week four. Four we more weeks of this? 14 more weeks of watching Pete Carmichael call plays for the New Orleans Saints. Get used to it, buddy, because it ain't getting yeah. any better. Yeah. Dude, put, like I said, dude, lock this guy away. Throw away the Let key, Let us call the Let fans call a hotline. <laughs> Like you the, pay a dollar like fifty. The, the fan controlled football league yes. with Johnny Manziel. You pay you pay a dollar fifty. You pay the cellular fees. You get to call a play. You I, get right into Derek Carr's headset. You get to call a play. I'm bro. telling you now, these boys would be so much better off doing the <laughs> ass coach option in the Madden plays. I, I I couldn't like, dude. Instead of asking Pete Carmichael, they need to be asking Ask John, John Madden, Madden dude. Man. Ask this John is Madden. awful. I cannot stand to watch this anymore. I I, I can't. I can't go Dude, through I, this anymore. I have never not wanted like I've been a Saints fan my entire life. I've never not wanted to watch the Saints more than I do right oh, yeah. now. Even it's when bad. we suck. I'm did more you, at peace with myself not watching the game. <laughs> did, like you, did you see the it's it's been going around the clip. The like reverse that we that got called. Yes. Yeah, on, which made on, no like, sense. Tried to do a trick play and we lost yards <laughs> on it. Dude. As time passes by, though, should Dennis Allen start to let someone else call plays? Who else is going to call the plays? Dude, I don't know. Dude, that's what I'm saying. Well, yeah, Give, us the, that's what I'm saying. Give imagine, us the hotline. Give us the hotline. Imagine like a dude from St. Bernard, bro, calling in. <laughs> hey, I think. Give, give me four verbs, Derek. <laughs> let's get uh, let's get on. Andon on the sideline doing audibles, like yeah, the little hand movements, right? Um, And then you could get 
You know, me with a little microphone, like I'm um, a Kev- Kevin. I'm telling you, James. Give me four verts, Tibble. <laughs> Give me four verts. <laughs> but should what should the Saints implement more into the offense? What, what sorts of things can they feed off of? Yeah, I mean, if, if you want to be serious about it, yeah, for a I know that. we've kind of made a joke about this entire segment, but. If you want to be serious about it, you got to figure out how to be able to run the ball more effectively mm-hmm. and give Derek Carr just a little more breathing room to not have to be Superman because Derek Carr isn't Superman. He's not a guy that can just make these incredible plays. He's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. And unfortunately for him, it's what Saints fans expect him to be. Yeah, the sad part is everybody expects him to be Drew Brees, but he's not. Nobody's Drew Brees. I said that either last week or the week before. There will never be another Drew Brees. So you got to figure out ways to to get this offense to work. You have Kamara back. You'll be getting Jamal Williams back in a couple of weeks. you got to figure out how to run the ball effectively and just call smart plays. Just – you get paid to do this. Be smart about it. Yep. Yeah, I, I like that. Like we said, the short pass is what the Saints are super successful doing, as well as those short rushes. It was third and five, and we threw a long shot to the sideline this yeah, week. You're throwing deep. You're throwing. You're throwing deep shots outside the numbers on third and five. That's yeah. not smart football. That's something that. 14-year-old kids playing Madden do. That's not something guys who get paid to be NFL coaches do. Well, and I'm sure you guys heard this stat, but Alvin Kamara had 13 catches for 30, I think, three yards. Like three yards. Yeah, that that should show you just how... Shout out my fantasy. <laughs> but, like, dude, that is not looking good on no, paper. No, that should show you how this offense works. 13 catches for 33 yards. Yeah. I didn't even know that was possible. To all the folks listening, if you had Alvin Kamara in a PPR league this week, good job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude. Yeah. But how, how long do you think it takes for this offense to show any success? Uh, if any. I mean. When is the offseason? Oh, man. Yeah. When is the offseason? I'll when? say a few more weeks. Wait, I think no. This, I, I think, I think this, this offense will turn a corner when everybody gets healthy and everybody gels together. Because it's just going to be too late. Yeah, at tired that point, it's going to be too New late. Orleans. I'm tired of saying when people get healthy. Yeah. You hear it with the Saints, you hear it with the Pelicans. At what point are we going like, to fire? I mean, fire the medical staff. It's, it's the Oshner people, bro. <laughs> they hire these Oshner staff. Get our this podcast has now turned into an Oshner diss. We, we are an get, Oshner hey, hate podcast. Our Lady of the Lake, if you're listening to <laughs> us, we love you. We want you to go sponsor the Saints, the Pelicans, Tulane, everybody. Well, what do you uh, see for the Saints' future this 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 season? I mean, how does this change? What, what's the record? You it's, think it's not going to change? We'll win seven or eight games because the defense will just be unbelievable, and you'll figure out a way to keep teams out of the end zone. A defensive touchdown here, four turnover game there. You'll figure out a way to win some football games. But dude, it, in the offense, in its current iteration, it ain't good, bro. Yeah, and in its current iteration, that's kind of my point. I. I do still have faith that they'll turn it around and call me a, a blind fool or whatever, but I I think that it can happen. It's just a matter of whether will. You heard in the press conferences after this game, Dennis Allen saying, "Yeah, we need like we need to make some changes." Which for me, hearing anything out of Dennis Allen's mouth doesn't matter. The dude, <laughs> the dude is a habitual liar, bro, <laughs> and I'm kind of tired of it. But you heard Alvin Kamara in the locker room saying, "Yeah, we're gonna have some tough conversations real soon." And hearing that from a guy like Kamara, who's a big leader on the team, makes me feel a little better about the rest of the season. It's only week four. We've got two losses. Yeah. I think you can still win nine, maybe ten if they turn it around. I'm interested to see. I'm sorry to cut you off right there. I'm interested to see. You talk about the Kamara quote. I'm interested to see if there's an upswelling in the locker room from the offensive guys against Pete Carmichael. And that's something that will – I'm being serious. No, like, the, like the microphones c- cut out, you know, Um <laughs> Yeah. Cut out, so like, maybe no, we just call our own place no, at some not, point, right? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, that at some point, the offensive guys have to say, guys, we are too talented to be letting the play calling drag us down. Yeah, Co- let- Coach, you got to get rid of this guy. He's hurting us. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, they're all co-workers. They yeah. all work for the yeah. New Orleans Saints. At the end of the day, if, if one of your co-workers isn't doing their job, they need to go. I agree. I, yeah. I completely agree. And, and like Nate said, I'm so tired of looking at – Dennis Allen and that big old zit on his face. <laughs> and I'm so tired of watching him lie through the skins of his teeth. Like I said, dude, I'm going off this podcast. I'm so tired of it. Stop giving me the excuses. 
Oh, we know we have to be better. Oh, we're so disappointed. Yeah, you're disappointed. You're just lucky to have a job, dude. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I see this team win maybe eight games for the rest of the season. But, like, dude, you play the Bears. You play in some trash teams over the over those games. Congrats if you win eight games if against these. If the Saints lose to the Bears, that will be my breaking point. Oh, yeah. I'm burning. Um, I hope you're ready. I'm burning some. <laughs> we're not losing jersey. the Bears. That game will finish, like, nine to six. Yeah. As 12, long as yeah, Saints 12, are on seven, that something. end of the nine, bro, I'm <laughs> like fine. But yeah, I'll tell you I what, cannot lose to the Bears. You bro. are going off this podcast. I, I am, dude. I am. But lastly, we're going to talk about the Dolphins and Bills game. Uh, these are two, but like both two teams that could very well and go make a Super Bowl run with the amount of firepower on both sides of the ball. The Dolphins were exposed on defense this weekend, and the Bills proved themselves big time in this one. So first off, for the Bills. You finally see Josh Allen play a game where you throw four touchdowns and you don't turn it over. Uh, is he finally improving, and what could that mean for Buffalo down the stretch? I don't think it's an, improve, an improvement thing. I think it's just a form thing. Players go in and out of this. is talked a lot about in soccer. Players go in and out of form where they're playing well and they're not really playing well. It could be a lot of factors that go into that. I think Josh Allen is finally starting to get into form. He feels in shape. He feels good about the football he's playing. This is a bad Dolphins defense. We've known that since week yeah. one when they gave up 36 points to the Chargers. But I, I just think that this Bills offense is finally rounding out into form and starting to really start up the engine. Nice. Uh, yeah, I I mean, I think, I, like Anand said, I think it's less of an improvement, more of just going in and out of phases. I think later down the season you will see Josh Allen continue to throw interceptions because that's just who Josh Allen is. He likes to mash the buttons like he's playing Madden and just going crazy when things start to get a lot of hand. He mashes all the buttons and tries to do everything himself, and he ends up throwing picks. That's just who he is as a quarterback. Doesn't make him a bad quarterback, but it is just one of his like flaws, and that's just how it is. As far as the Dolphins' defense, I'm not, I'm not ready to count out them and this Dolphins team yet. They are dealing with a lot of injuries right now. I'm pretty sure Jalen Ramsey is also he's coming hurt. back. Yeah, but yeah, he's coming back soon. They have a lot of injuries there. They have injuries on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I think later on down the line. The Dolphins will be good still. It'll be fine. And you also, the Dolphins, this is a point I heard on the, on part of my take this week. They were saying how it's good that the Dolphins got this game at Buffalo out of the way early in the season. Yeah. Because now later in the season, you don't have to go to Buffalo when it's freezing cold. You get to play Buffalo in Miami when it's like 50-something, 60-something degrees in December or whenever. Yeah. I, I think if Josh Allen can continue to play this kind of football obviously that's a reach but these guys are going to make a super bowl it's as simple as that uh i think he's starting to make the smarter decisions he's capable as well um obviously the dolphins defense wasn't you know great but let's talk about that can the dolphins still win the afc east or did fans kind of jump the gun with how good that offense was yeah i mean the offense is unbelievable yeah. and mike mcdaniel's yeah. a really good head coach you got to figure it out on the defensive end <laughs> I still think that this – like, we're four weeks into the season. I'm not closing the book on anybody except for the Bears, the Broncos, and the Cardinals. Yep. As far as you can't do anything, go ahead and chalk it up to next year. This Dolphins team can still very easily go in the division. I mean, I, you know, knock on wood, I'm not saying that I want this to happen, but Josh Allen can go out and tear his Achilles in practice. Right. And we're looking at the Bills in a completely different way, you know. So I I think everything is on the table for Miami. Even if no injuries happen, I still think they're a really good football team. Yeah, I agree. This is one of the most competitive divisions, I think, in the NFL, and especially between those two teams. And I just, like like you said, and it's just way too early to be saying, like, they're out of it. Yeah, like I said, I I think they're capable, but they've got a lot of things to figure out on that defensive side of the ball. With all the talent they have, I mean, the good news is that they get Jalen Ramsey back in a few weeks. That's going to be a huge help. Um, but give me your updated Super Bowl picks for both the NFC, AFC, and then the winner. I'm going to go Bills 49ers. Um, and I, I got Same. San Francisco winning, man. I think they're just a buzzsaw. That team is so unbelievably talented. You saw Christian McCaffrey four touchdowns over over the week. Yeah. He, Shout out Christian McCaffrey. Helped me score 150 points in fantasy this weekend with that. So. <laughs> But, yeah, man, the Niners are a buzzsaw, dude. I could see the Chiefs coming out of the AFC as well just because of the experience factor. Um, But I'm going to go with the 49ers, Bills, and I think the Niners are going to take it. Yeah, I've got the Niners absolutely plowing through. I think they win the Super Bowl uh, easy. Out of the AFC, I'm going to say I'm going to ride with the Chiefs. I just think that 
I think they have a couple problems, but they'll do what the Chiefs do and figure it out. It's the experience, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm. I just. I cannot bring myself to count out Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And Andy Reid and I, Taylor I tried, Swift and Taylor Swift, oh, man, dude. they got Taylor Swift behind no. them, dude. Let's not, let's not. Today. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm going the same exact thing as and I'm going Bills 49ers, but I've actually got the Bills winning. Something inside of me is just telling me to go Bills this year. Uh, but lastly, best segment of Woo! this podcast. Woo! Give me favorite part of the week, baby. Uh, give me your poo poo Bruce art of the week. So many. So many candidates this this week. And then let's go you first. All right. Well, I'm going to go with Monday Night Football. Yeah. Seahawks, Giants. Nobody's real. I, I expected Seattle to win this game pretty comfortably. What I did not expect was Daniel Jones Ooh-wee. and the Giants offensive line <laughs> to give up 11 sacks. Stinky. Two interceptions, one of which a 97-yard pick six. The rookie. And two fumbles lost. Daniel Jones is not the guy. I was talking to one of our DJs, Mel, earlier today about this. Daniel Jones is not that dude. I don't care if you had a brick wall in front of him as an offensive line. He's still not that guy. He's just not him. He gets the poo-poo Roussard easily. Yeah, I he, mean, he just played dude, horrible. He was you, throwing, you could also give it to the, the offensive line. Yeah. No, the you offensive could. line, this is a co-poo-poo gotcha. Roussard. Daniel Jones and the and Giants offensive line are both getting 11 sacks. 11 the entire sacks. Giants offense at yeah. that point. Yeah, I mean, the whole offense can take it, but particularly the six guys who throw two picks, lose two fumbles, and give up 11 sacks. You just go in order? I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, but, like, to go off of yours, man, I mean, Daniel Jones was throwing hissy fits looking like a kindergartner. <laughs> <laughs> he was throwing so, the tablet, man, yeah, looking like Tom Brady, too. man. Dabble was just like, oh, my goodness, what a prima donna. Uh, I'm going to go with Matt House. This is the easy answer. We kind of talked about this. How could you not give it to Matt House? 55 points to Ole Miss when they're, I mean, when their receivers are mid, uh, offensive not, line mid. Not just 55 points. 700 yards. 700 yards. Most in school history. Dude, I couldn't even run 700 <laughs> yards. <laughs> like, that's insane. Nathan, take it away. All right, so I'm going to go a little abstract with mine this week. Yep, this I'm is gonna, out of the out pocket. I'm going to go with the state of Mississippi. So me and Andre traveled this weekend to the Ole Miss game, and just the whole trip was just, it was, it was a trip. We, it was it so was a trip, man. On the way in, we're we're driving through Mississippi. We saw I made a tweet about it. We saw several several sites. Interesting. We saw a billboard outside of Jackson for an outlet mall that had it said like whatever outlet mall, like come shopping. Yep. And the picture was of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ holding shopping bags. <laughs> and that might have been the most Mississippi thing I've ever seen in my entire life. We had the ripoff. Washington Monument. We had, yeah, we had some kind of, it looked like the Washington Monument. Don't know what it but was about. But half the size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't know what that was. And then, what else did we see? We saw a police chase. We did. We Going down the interstate <laughs> on the way to Tupelo. I thought he was getting pulled over. He was not. Um, that God. was interesting. Yeah. Talk about the species of the deer. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, we're driving down whatever, like, random country bumpkin highway down natchez parkway <laughs> natchez parkway <laughs> we're gonna have some words <laughs> there's no lights nothing i've got my brights on because otherwise i literally cannot see and out of the corner of my eye on the left side i'm in the left lane and on the left side of the road there is a a beautiful doe standing there on the very left side of the road on the very edge looking right at me and as soon as i get a Half a second later, it jumps out right into the middle of the road. Thank God there was nobody behind me. I had, like, slam on my brakes, swerve left. The deer starts to run back left. <laughs> Stopped so, in the middle of the road. The of the road. So Pumps I, the horn. Then I swerve then it runs. right, swerve right, slam on the horn, and it runs right again and finally gets off the road. So me and Andre had a near-death experience in Mississippi, so that contributes to the poo-poo broussard. Look, I'll say this. The state of Mississippi. Mississippi. I, I can't even talk about it. I can't so even say upset it. Right. He can't even say it. I uh, do. <laughs> I see why so many people smoke cigarettes down there. <laughs> Look, there is nothing better to do out there, man. There's just woods and woods and a and really cool woods. moon. 
Yeah, it was did. the moon was massive. We did oh my see god, the moon. that was, was awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty dope. But yeah, that's all I have to say. And we also we drove through a town in Mississippi called Egypt. Yeah, yeah. You know the saying BFE, man. That's exactly where we were. So Literally. you know, I I like, yeah. My poo poo Broussard goes to the state of Mississippi, especially with how Ole Miss fans were. Ole Miss fans throwing the trash yeah. on the field. I get it. it was a bad call. Boo hoo. Um, uh, that combined, we went and talked to some old Miss fans and. It's just, just dumb. Um, just not educated. Rocks, just, man. Like, I, I don't like undermining people, but when it comes to Ole Miss, I think it's fine. Um, <laughs> dude, these the guys, the these guys, I mean, they, they're just I not just, educated. Uh, you, you know, like, why, you, you why know, is LA, let, let's, for example, yeah. you ask them, why is uh, the Grove better than LSU tailgating? Look around. That's their only excuse. Without fail. You ask them what a hottie toddy is, and, and they couldn't even tell you. Just uneducated. Yeah. Hey. One of them also said... Tui we, family, we, we I kinda, can see. Uh, <laughs> definitely God, Michael, or... Um, one of them, we pressured... We kind of pressed them, like, okay, they told us to look around as far as why the tailgate's better. We said, we pressed them. We said, why, though? Like, don't just tell us to look around. Why, yeah, why? What makes it better? And he told us that the food in Oxford, Mississippi... Said the beautiful better. women, which was valid. <laughs> <laughs> Ole Miss. Got, Oxford, Mississippi, got some very attractive women. I, they do. But... The There's a reason part, they're, they're 50th and we're 49th, baby. Yeah. 49th. I'm holding <laughs> on to that's, it. That's exactly the it. The whole point of the state of Mississippi is that Louisiana isn't last, isn't in last place. But yeah. yeah, the man told us that the food in Oxford, Mississippi was better. And those just, guys were from Michigan. You being though. serious? Yeah. And you also, you know, just for stars, you're not allowed to grill in the Grove. No. Straight, so the, uh, only red solo cups. You are not allowed to listen to loud music. Yeah, just so many weird things. Yeah. It's like a wine it was quiet. tasting. Yeah, it's not yeah. a tailgate. That's a wine tasting. So, yeah. like, but as far as the food, it was the, the biggest delicacy there. Chicken it's, on it, a stick. It, not even that. I'm talking about tailgating delicacy is cold Chick Fil A chicken nuggets that they catered. That's like what they eat. And then yep. going off the press box food too. Yeah, look, I'm telling you right look, now, Baton Rouge Step food. your game up, dog, because um, jambalaya that fake jambalaya that you serve should not be yellow. Oxford, no. Mississippi. Like, like, like Andre's shirt yellow. Yeah. Oxford, Mississippi. Vaught Hemingway Stadium. Mississippi University. State of Mississippi. S- step the game up, man. You are my poo-poo Broussard of the week. You are poo-poo Broussard. Well, that will do it for us today. A <laughs> uh, big thank you to Nathan Messina and Andon Brabham for joining me. I'm your host, Andre Champagne, and this has been the Hodges Huddle. Oh, yeah. <laughs>